All right. I believe we are heading live. I'm just trying out some new technology. And what we're doing, of course, is we are going to be trying out a little something called uh, DLive.TV. DLive.TV forward slash free domain. If you want to check out the show on other platforms. And we're going full egalitarian today. My friends, we're going full egalitarian. No super chats. Now, of course, if you do want to help out the show, you can go to freedomainradio.com forward slash donate. That's freedomainradio.com forward slash donate. So I hope you guys are having a great week. And I, I will get to your... Um, your questions. I do want to make this a conversation. Lord knows you get enough solo time, me blasting the brain at the tubes. Yes, Bitcoin is going up. It is um, always a mixed bag in alternative media. And listen, everyone, of course, thank you for your very kind words. It's lovely to see this kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a little bit heavy these days. Don't you find things are just a little bit... Heavy. I knew they were going to get heavier in the run-up to the election uh, in, in Canada and in America. But yeah, the calls to de-platform, the, the hatred, the aggression, the hostility. You know, I, I talked to one guy on the right and I'm far right. I talked to Noam Chomsky a couple of times and a bunch of other lefties. Doesn't exist, right? So that is... Uh, that is kind of rough uh, these days. And I was thinking about this. And I, you know, I don't want to burden you guys. I hopefully am going to bring some of the thoughts that you may be having deep down in your bone marrow up to the surface. Because I think we're already in a pretty deep, dark, and devious place. So I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm trying to sort of talk about the things that I think we're all experiencing and hopefully have it make sense to you. And one of the things that has really struck me is I used to have this recurring dream. <laughs> yes, let's start philosophy chats with a dream. I take dreams very seriously. I don't think they're metaphysical. I don't think that they're prognosticatory, but they are important in terms of... And so the dream that I had, which went on for, oh gosh, a couple of years, and, and it was that I was either in the ocean or standing on the shore... And a giant wave, like a wave that reached halfway to the meridian of sunlight, a wave that covered half the sky would come, and I would be helpless in the face of it. And the, the dream was violent. And I almost never have violent dreams, but this one was the wave coming. And sometimes I'd be turned over in the water like a clubbed seal, and I would see my limbs detach from the force of the water, and spread with skirt, squirting arterial blood throughout the waves. And because, of course, the, the, the wave, the tsunami, whatever it was, was so huge, I couldn't really do anything about it. I couldn't, I couldn't fight it. And that's truth these days. And one of the things I find so frustrating is that I'm 52 years old. I'm going to be 53 this year. One of the things I find so frustrating is that the problems that we are sort of grappling with in the world go back so far down the tunnel of history. 
that we would need a time machine plus the internet plus skywriting plus magic, it feels, to have averted the world from where it is currently at and where it's currently heading to. And that's a painful thing, I think. Gosh, when did things start to go wrong? When did things start to go wrong? 1850s, 1860s, the West decides to turn over the education of children to the state. Bad call. Bad. I mean, you just wrestled education away from a quasi-medieval theological institution, the church, churches. You just wrestled education away from the church, and you handed it over to the state. Oh, it's so frustrating. Why? 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 Can you imagine what would have happened if that decision had not been made 170, almost 170 years ago? See, I believe that that, the children bond with whoever raises them, and if you bond with the state, and then the state says, go fight, it's like mommy, mommy telling you to go protect her. She will go. You will go. And so could you really have had the First World War if the government hadn't taken over not just education, but modeled government education on the Prussian military proto-capitalist regime that was designed to take curious, enlightened, intelligent, creative, intellectual children and turn them into mindless factory workers and soldiers? Without... And before the First World War, of course, which made the First World War not only possible in terms of its length, but really, I think, possible in terms of its outcome, you have the takeover of currency by central banking, right? 1913, the Federal Reserve Act passed in America, and uh, England went off the gold standard. Of course, it had to because it had to pay for the First World War, or at least it fell. If they hadn't been able to just create their own money out of nothing, then... The First World War, and if they hadn't had government education, if they hadn't gone off the gold standard, you wouldn't have war. You should watch my speech. There's a great speech called Bitcoin versus War. It's right there on YouTube for now. And if you hadn't had the First World War, and if, of course, the German government didn't have control over the currency under the Weimar Republic then the Germans wouldn't have tried to pay off their war debt by printing money like crazy and destroying their currency, and you wouldn't have had Hitler, you wouldn't have had the Second World War. If you wouldn't have, have, if you wouldn't have had the Second... Of course, if you wouldn't have had the First World War, you wouldn't have communism in Russia. And if you hadn't had the Second World War, you wouldn't have communism in China, or North Korea, or North Vietnam, or Cambodia, or Cuba. And... It's all so ancient. If you hadn't had the Heart Seller Act of 1965, immigration would be fairly minimal. Because when immigration was focused on Europeans, well, Europeans didn't really want to come to America after the 60s and 70s in particular. They might now, but they wouldn't. And, and you know, I, I may seem old to some, some of you young whippersnappers, but the Heart Seller Act, shifting immigration to the third world, in America, which, of course, was, it was promised was never going to fundamentally alter American demographics, which is how you know it was designed to fundamentally alter American demographics. So I may look a little creaky to you. Occasionally I feel a little creaky to myself. But without the Hot Seller Act, things would be very, very different these days. And it's older than me. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't even a twinkle in my daddy's eye when that son-of-a-bitch bill was passed. If you hadn't had the welfare state, 
the family would still be strong and intact. The amount of human agony that is erupting in society these days, suicide, teen suicides are at an all-time high. One of the leading causes of death for young to middle-aged, particular white males, is suicide. The opioid epidemic is killing more Americans per year than the entire Vietnam War. The amount of human misery in society these days, the the escape into drugs and sexuality, pornography, video games. It's an agony out there. It's an agony out there. And I think a lot of that has to do with the breakdown of the family. Children are much more likely to be preyed upon if there's no biologically related father in the household. To all these problems, these horrible childhoods, these preyed-upon childhoods, then manifesting as drug addiction in particular. What is the agony that we need opioids to pretend to manage? The agony is the emptiness, the emptiness. You know, I got to tell you, my friend, sometimes I'm not entirely convinced we're designed to succeed as a species. I'm not sure. Our success is our failure. See, we we succeed. We have a lot of wealth. We have freedom. With freedom comes inequality. And then with inequality comes pathological altruism. With pathological altruism, you attempt to close the gap of the pain of inequality. I mean, you know, everybody's rising, but some are rising much faster than others. Feel uncomfortable. So we want to close off that gap. And we take it... We take money from the rich and we give it to the poor. And there's this weird belief that you can multiply by dividing, that you can add by subtracting. You can divide people from their money. You can strip people of their money, hand it to other people, and somehow everyone's going to be wealthy. But force is a demon that undoes the world. We hadn't had the welfare state. And the welfare state is not just within the country, but internationally as well. So as Western countries rose in, in, in wealth and in power and in influence and in freedom, the countries that lagged behind, well, they were used by manipulative sophists to tear at the heartstrings of the West and say, ah, these poor children with flies on their eyes, you must share your bounty. You're bad, you colonialists. You are only rich because they're poor. You stole from them. And you must give back. What you stole, reparations. And so you take a huge amount of money from the first world, thus crushing the birth rates of the first world, and you hand it to the third world, just massively exploding the the, the birth rates of the third world. And they can't fix the third world for a variety of reasons I've gone into before. At least nobody knows how at the moment. So then the the third world comes to the first world and what? In every human life, said this before on the show, every human life on this planet is sustained by $20,000 in debt. And if you are a poor person in Mexico, where significant portions of the government, the economy, the landscape are all controlled by these criminal cartels, I'm not talking about their mainstream media, although that's kind of a criminal cartel these days across the West. You're a poor person in Mexico. Of course you want to get across the border. Of course you want to come to the States. Coming to the States is an act of pure despair. I can't fix my own country. I can't solve 
the problems in my own country. So I have to fly to a new country where, in general, I'm going to replicate the same behaviors that led to all the disasters of the old country. This is something fundamentally incomprehensible to a lot of people at a collective level. Individually, we all understand it. It's kind of incomprehensible at a collective level, which is why on earth would you come from a socialist country to a free market country and then vote for the same socialist policies that destroyed your last country? Why did the Californians flee to Texas and then vote for the Democrats? To answer that question, and I'll get to yours in a sec, but to answer that question, I remember standing in a store at the age of 12. I was rolling with some fairly unsavory youths at the time. Youths! I was rolling with some fairly unsavory youths at the time who were kind of into shoplifting, and I needed a pair of sunglasses, too bright, right? Blue eyes. The sun is the enemy of the Northern Europeans. And... I was standing in front of, you know, one of those spinny racks that has the sunglasses in it. And I really, really wanted the sunglasses. Now, there were no video cameras back then. You were fairly safe to shoplift. And I felt a real fear. Real fear, not of being caught. I felt a real fear of not being caught. I felt a real fear of stepping over that line of propriety and morality and realizing that I could get away with it, that I was smart enough to get away with it, that I could start to steal that slippery slope. And, you know, why do you steal? Because you're stolen from, right? Because society steals your childhood by abandoning you to brutalizers. And I was very, very afraid of not being caught. And I backed away. I remember very the, the, the fear rose in me. Maybe it was part of that wave dream I had later. The fear rose in me. And I stepped back. I went out. I squinted into the sunlight. And I'm like, I'll live with the eyelashes God gave me. I'm not going to steal some sunglasses. But why did I not steal? I mean, partly... Morals. I mean, I was I was such an honest young tyke that at the age of 14, I was sent with all the cash in the known universe from, at least it felt that way, from a hardware store to go deposit it in the bank. Didn't take a single fin or quarter for myself. But I think I, I think I kind of understood that if, if I didn't go down that path, that slow and then faster, slippery path to perdition, to immorality, to theft. If I didn't go down that path, well, I was just going to get a job. And by getting a job, I was going to be able to make money and, and be successful, and turned out it did actually kind of work out that way. Because I believed I could make it. I could make it. Now, when you come to the West and you go on welfare, there's a belief, an acceptance, a, a mindset that you can't make it. You can't make it. You can't fix your home country and you can't compete in the new country, so just come and sit on benefits. Just sit on benefits. And that's what I mean when I say our success is our own failure. When you have a government, when you have a state at the center of your social system, your success is your failure. Why? Because as you succeed, you don't need the government anymore. You don't. You, just, you can save for your own retirement. You can pay your own medical bills. You can 
get insurance and easily. You can, uh, you have a wealthy enough society that companies are competing for workers and therefore have to offer them a safe environment. You don't have, you know, 13-year-old Charles Dickens with his hands stained in ink working 14 hours a day. So as you get smarter as a society, as you get wealthier as a society, you don't need the government anymore. You don't. You know, like little kids, they always need someone to help adjudicate their disputes, but when you get older, you do it yourself. So the government does not like... Like, the government likes smart people as tax livestock, as resources that they can tax, but they don't like smart people in terms of they create alternatives to the need for the state. Charity and self-sufficiency and higher incomes and so on. So because... People are running out of their need for the government because demand for the government diminishes. What does the government do? Well, the government imports people who need the government, who are willing to defer to the government, who want to kiss the ring. If you are a drug dealer, you want to move to the most traumatized neighborhood you can find where there's money, right? And there will be money because of welfare. And the government needs people dependent on the government. Power needs subjects who want the fruits of power and independent people like the rack in the now defunct store Eaton's with the sunglasses on it. I could step away from that, get a job and earn my own sunglasses. I didn't, didn't need to steal. And it's a big mess. We've given a lot of money to induce a hugely high fertility rate in other cultures and other countries. So much debt, keeping so many people alive in an unsustainable course. Of course they want to. Come to the West? Of course they want to. You can't talk them out of it, really. I mean, any more than you can talk people out of Cashing in a winning lottery ticket. Say, well, you know, if you cash in that winning lottery ticket, your taxes might go up and all right. You're just encouraging games. Like, forget it. It's a million bucks, man. I'm in. So, that's the one thing. Another thing I want to talk about briefly is this. Oh, the Democrats and the border and the concentration camps. AOC and Ilhan Omar all talking about how, you see, when people cross the border illegally with their children, the children are ripped, ripped, you see, from the arms of their parents and separated and blah, 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 right? And now, you see, it's just a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing, you see, for a law to be enforced. And <laughs> here's the funny thing. It's a nonviolent crime crossing the border. But the issue is then getting taxpayer goods and services that you haven't paid into, that's kind of the, that's the theft, right? You understand going, in, you've never paid into the system, you go and withdraw from the system. It's kind of a pillage, right? But it's funny because it sounds like me 10, 12, 14 years ago talking about taxation. Wanting to keep your own property, wanting to keep the proceeds of your own labor to spend as you see fit. Well, that's not a violent action is it i made five bucks really like to hang on to that five bucks don't take my five bucks from me or a buck from me at gunpoint the gun in the room the gun in the room the gun in the room is what i kept talking about year after year after year 
The law is an opinion with a gun. Statism is force. And people were like, you're crazy. That's insane. It's a social contract, right? And now, what's happening? Well, now that there's a law being enforced that the Democrats don't like, suddenly there's a gun in the room. Children are being ripped from their parents, people being thrown in jail. It's, I'm sorry, it's just mad. When people turn 180 and then begin expounding the points that you made many, many years ago after fighting you for many years on those exact same points, it really is kind of crazy-making. Re- now, of course, people could say, well, the border, blah, 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 is stuff if you're against. But here's the thing. It's like I'm willing to uh, – I'm perfectly willing to open the borders as long as we stop prosecuting people for taxation. <laughs> Tax or tax, non-payment of taxes. But that's fine. Do you have a sanctuary city where you don't have to pay any tax? Yeah, I'm, I throw them open, man. What about the roads? Yeah, yeah, well, see, the government's got to take your tax money to build the roads and then take your tax money to give to the people to have lots of kids and then invite them in with your tax money on the welfare state, and they've got to have roads to come into your country, right? And... It's something I learned as a kid. Maybe you have to grow up poor to to get this. I don't know. But when you're massively in debt, you've got to cut your expenses. You know, (laughs) I remember freezing my ever-loving tits off. When I lived in Montreal, I went to theater school. I had an apartment uh, that was expensive. (laughs) It wasn't wasn't expensive like it was nice. It was just expensive because I was broke, right? And... I didn't heed it. Now, now Toronto is, you know, cold as a witch's crotch um, throughout good chunks of the winter. I mean, I remember having to go to a bank once, and I, had, I, I was wearing a um, sort of basically a throw rug because I couldn't afford a jacket. Uh, I think I called it, uh, I don't know what that Mexican thing you put it over your, right? And, you know, just like, remember the radio was like, you, you can't be having your skin exposed for more than 30 seconds or it's going to freeze. And I'm just, you know, going in like, a, like I'm wearing a hijab of heat. It was really cold in Montreal. And, and that, that winter, I was so broke, I didn't want to heat my apartment. And I just remember, like, waking up in the morning, you know, see my breath. It was so cold. I just kept it just warm enough that it didn't crack the pipes. It's cold, man. Cold. And then it turns out that they bill you based upon the average use from last year so that didn't really matter but i just remember you know when you're broke you gotta cut your expenses and one of those was heat when it's minus 30 out you gotta cut your heat right immigration is an expense immigration is an expense and given how indebted the west is you you gotta cut your expenses immigration is an expense it's not a moneymaker thing so crazy stuff and there's no agency, of course, right? So the people who cross the border, sometimes they're not even their own kids, right? They're just bringing them there as props, right? But if you cross the border with your kids and you can't prove that your kids are yours, well, you've done two illegal things. You're kind of pretending that the kids are yours, kind of like kidnapping, and you're crossing a border illegally. But you see, it's the fault of Trump, you see, that people are crossing the border illegally with kids that aren't theirs or they can't prove that they're theirs. So I burn up your papers. I mean, you know, it could be human traffickers. Could be people setting up pedophile child rings of exploitation photography. I don't know. 
Nobody knows. That's the whole point. You've got to separate the kids because you don't even know if the kids are their own, right? So no agency for the people crossing the border. It's all Trump's fault. It's all the fault of the conservatives. Very, very sad. Very, very sad. <sighs> all right. Well, listen, I appreciate you letting me get this stuff off my chest. Ooh, one last thing. One last tiny, tiny thing. The population of Rome went from like, what, 1 point, 1 million, 2 million, something like that, down to 18,000 in a couple of months, you know, when they ran out of money. How do you go broke? Well, you go broke very slowly and then very, very quickly. All right. I am all yours, my friends. I'm sorry that I've missed some of these comments. I will love to listen to them. And how tall am I? I'm just a shade under six foot. All right. Let's see here. Jason Edwards says, Sorry, Stefan, you made $5, but you only get to keep $1.25. goes to infrastructure to make your future better, and the rest goes to people that don't give a crap about you. Yeah, you know, I, unfortunately, I know quite a bit about infrastructure because I worked for a company that um, helped company, helped mostly government institutions, some private government institutions do audits. And the school system just in the province I live in was, if I remember rightly, about $100 million in the hole as far as just not renewing. They don't take the money. They don't maintain things. They build things and they borrow for it. You know, the, 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 in, the interstate highway system in America was built under Eisenhower and the debt still hasn't been paid off for it. And it was built to not, it was not built because the people wanted interstate highways. It was built so that the army could get around America in case if there was a nuclear war. The roads weren't built for the people. And imagine, because of all of this interstate highway, how much resource um, consumption has has increased and and how much uh, people are burning up oil. And because the Saudis pay for environmental groups to prevent drilling in the West, how much money has gone pouring into the spread of radical Islamism and so on. Um, Come on. That's terrible. All right. (sighs) Uh, Steph, do you have Patreon? I do not. I do not. Did you turn off Super Chat or did YouTube disable that on you? Freedomainradio.com forward slash donate. Uh, Question. Have you ever regretted an argument you made or position you held in your adult past? And if so, what and why? Well, I will. I will uh, send you to the shows called Why I Was Wrong About. Why I Was Wrong About. And also, my apologies to, to Christians. So, yes. Is it immoral to be a hypocrite? No. Uh, it is inconsistent, and it may be wrong, but immoral generally is around violations of the um, non-aggression principle. So no, it's not immoral to be a hypocrite. It can lay the foundations for immorality and so on. Stefan, what is going on with Ben Shapiro? Ah, I see Ben Shapiro. Ah, Benny, 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 Ben, Ben, Ben. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, let's see, Ben Shapiro. Yeah, so a couple of days ago, I think, Ben Shapiro referred to me as somebody with borderline white supremacist views. Um, I don't know if he's looked into the tenets of his own religion, but supremacy is not entirely alien to some aspects of his own religion. But apparently, you see, because I talk about science and differences between ethnicities on average, never judge individuals, uh, apparently he wants to talk about me in that kind of way, which is a very dangerous thing to do. I mean, obviously, it's a very dangerous thing to do to, to put me all of that, right? So now, of course, he's getting all kinds of keen for war in, uh, in Iran. 
And uh, he did put out uh, stuff like like Bill Crystal put these things out to I tremble for my country, you know, literally shaking, can't breathe, I tremble for my country. Um, no, it's uh, it's terrible. I mean, it's terrible. How much focus gets put on the Middle East, and I think we all know why, but how much focus gets put on the Middle East when America can't secure its own border? The, it's the Department of Defense. It's the Department of Homeland Security. The military say, wait, but, oh, you know, if you don't have the state, who's going to pay for the military? Well, the military is out there building walls in Jordan and, and subsidizing walls in Israel, but it's not enforcing the borders in America. We'd be far better off without state. Military. Yeah, it's just terrible. Absolutely terrible stuff. Am I in Canada or the U.S.? I am in Canada. Hi, Stefan. How to recover from neglecting parents? Ooh, that's a, that's a tough one. I just, I just had, uh, I'm going to do it after the live stream tonight to finish it up, but I just had a call with a woman. Oh, it'll blow your mind. I'm just, uh, you know, it's funny because I could put clickbaity titles in like you wouldn't believe, but I am sort of aware I don't want to cheapen the brand. So just look for this this show. I'm going to call it Salvation, which is um, has a lot to do with how to recover from this kind of abuse. Neglectful parents. And it's funny because I was, I mean, I was, acted against in a violent manner. My mom was violent towards me, and she was kind of in my face. She had logoria, so there's constant talking, talking, talking. I know, I know, I'm doing a live stream. But, you know, I'm doing feedback back and forth, and I have lots of convos with people and interviews and debates, a lot of back and forth. Not that many monologues these days. But um, my mother was both focused on me and neglectful of me at the same time. In other words, she focused on, here's my dating life. Here's what's going on at work. Here's all the creepy things I can tell you about that you really would rather rip your own ears off and eat them like sandwiches than here. So she was kind of in my face but kind of neglectful at the same time. So one of the things that helped me was, you know, keeping a journal and, and, and writing. Uh, I wrote fiction. I wrote plays. I wrote 30 plays. I've written like six novels or something and a bunch of nonfiction books. But back then it was just novels and plays and a bunch of poems and so on. So that you learn to respect your own inner life, right? You learn to respect what's going on in, in your mind, in, in your gut, right? The second brain that we have deep down. That, that is actually a very, very important part of our brain. We're kind of like those uh, long dinosaurs with the brain at the tail and the brain at the head. We have a second brain down there in our gut. The gut instinct and so on is really, really important, particularly in the detection of evil, which is why everybody who's evil wants to kind of float you up into your head uh, and keep you out of your monkey gut brain that is really good at figuring out who the predators are. So just learn to really, really... Uh, enjoy your own instincts, your own depth, your own passions, your own thoughts, and uh, stay away from people who are distracted. Stay away from people who don't listen to you because they're just reactivating that wound of distance. All right. Um, Stefan, you make money by talking about leftist stuff, so you advertise them, right? I advertise leftist stuff. I don't really understand what that means. You know, if if you're fighting cancer, are you advertising for cancer? I'm. I don't really. I don't really think so. Somebody said something nice today that I just keep putting the truth out there and keep getting hit and smile through it all. And uh, I wrote back, uh, and you should follow me on Twitter at Stefan Molyneux. But I wrote back, and I said, uh, "Why would I get offended if people are attacking facts? Like if I'm a boxer in a boxing ring." 
it doesn't hurt me if my opponent goes and punches the ref. All right, so let's see here. Uh, Stefan, what do you think about legal psychedelics? I do not. You know, uh, D- Dave Rubin was just posting today on Twitter uh, something about the purge and, and we should confess our deepest, darkest, blah, 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 right? And he said that he's done, I think, just about every major drug. And I asked him what, it, what that meant. I don't know if they mean cocaine, heroin, I don't know. Um, and, and that he had had a lot of premarital sex. And then he made some joke about stealing something from someone in grade two, you know, like kind of important. And then you just diminish it with this crappy non sequitur. But I, I don't like mind-altering substances. Why do you want to alter your mind? If your mind is a difficult place to live in, then you should reform it until it becomes more friendly, right? See, we get this, we get these inner defenders to protect us from the outer attackers, and then we mistake the inner defenders for the outer attackers and we become enemies to ourselves. Like, I have an inner mom who would tamp down my behavior when it would be provocative to my mom in the hopes of not provoking my mom into some sort of physical attack, and my inner mom is there to help me. She's not like my mom. I didn't, like, sniff her in and become possessed like, like, you know, uh, the Bates Motel mom or anything like that. She was, uh, uh, you know, scar tissue, which is there to sort of help and protect, or pain, which is there to help, you know. I remember picking up that knife. We used to have a gas-fired stove when I was a kid, and I, I picked up the knife that was by the blue flame, and it hurt like hell, and I didn't pick it up again, right? The, the pain is not there to hurt me. The pain is there to help me, to prevent me from doing things again. So when you internalize dysfunction, it's there to protect you from dysfunction that could be coming down the road. So you don't want to uh you don't want to get rid of that the 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 inner dysfunction that's in you that has been internalized from other people uh it's there to help you so why do you want to not be in reality why do you want to not process reality as accurately as as possible i really don't have a good answer for that so i generally try and think i think it's a bad idea <sighs> Love is everything said. We Christians love you very much, Stefan. We easily forgive the sincere. Well, thank you very much. Ben goes full Ben Shapiro goes full Zionist whenever Israel is involved. That's interesting. Now I you know because this this whole thing like dual loyalty, right? So people who have Israeli citizenship and American citizenship is their dual loyalty. Well, I don't know. I mean, there's an oath of allegiance to America, isn't there? Is there an oath of allegiance to Israel? Can you serve two masters? I don't know. That's an interesting question. All right. If you know people... No, sorry. Ah. Oh, and just, you know, you can leave me running if you want to go to freedomainradio.com forward slash donate, freedomainradio.com forward slash donate. That's really, really helpful. I haven't done a... a uh, uh, I haven't done a donation pitch in, in quite some time, but I'll tell you this. I mean, it's it's hard. It's hard out here on the internet these days. It's really hard. I know, I mean, YouTube, like, they won't let me get past 918 like it did my views just they keep shaving them back and and um it's it's hard out here uh, on the interwebs these days i don't know how long that's going to last could be the new normal could be could get even worse i don't know so if you do want to help out you know i i uh i will assume the the position uh, of uh, asking you for freedomainradio.com forward slash donate very very uh, very very helpful psychedelics give demons open access to your brain you know, so we have so much internal stimuli as human beings. You know, we, we're balanced between the inner world and the outer world. You know, I, I've been running this 
role-playing campaign Dungeons and Dragons style with my daughter for going on three and a half years now, and we've done just the most amazing and, and fun stuff. And we have a whole world in there. When you write books, when you when you write a screenplay and, and plays, you have a whole world in there. And, and this inner world is so vivid and so powerful. You can get lost in, in your head, right? And I don't know that animals have much inner life, particularly the lower forms of animals, but we have this incredible fertile inner life. I've got dreams about the truth, about philosophy that are giant limb-rending tsunamis that are disassembling me. And we have such a vivid and powerful inner life and, and imagination that, to me, you really need to work hard to maintain your grip on reality. I know that sounds like I've got to maintain my grip on reality, but it's really true. It's re you have to work hard to maintain your grip on reality, and anything that weakens that silver cord that ties the inner world to the outer world, the inner life to the outer reality... Anything which weakens and cracks and undermines that relationship is very dangerous, in my opinion. Very dangerous, in my opinion. Like, what if you then doubt reality going forward because you've done something that's messed with your sense of reality? What if there's that, hmm, maybe we are living in a dream inside a dream inside of artificial reality, inside a Cartesian demon, inside a matrix? Like, don't do it! Don't do it! Don't mess with your sense of reality because drugs tip the balance in favor of subjectivism, right? You can see the music, you know, there are, LSD can give you like vivid waking hallucinations. First of all, they could be really terrible and you're inside a horror movie you can't disbelieve in or get out of for who knows for how long. Plus, wasn't it LSD, doesn't it sink into your cells, can reactivate later when you burn the, that fat or whatever? So don't do things that undermine your automatic connection to reality because it tips the scales too much in terms of the inner world and then you uh, lose lose track lose track of the world uh, is is it immoral to use mind-altering drugs no no it's not now it's interesting though because when you it's sort of the question around around smoking right so smoking is not immoral it's not an initiation of the use of force however it's hugely irresponsible and gets close to immorality if you are a provider for a family, right? I mean, if you've got kids and a wife who depends upon you and you're smoking like a chimney, well, I guess if you have life insurance, it's one thing, but you, you, your responsibility tips to the outer when you have kids, right? I mean, you just can't do dangerous, stupid stuff. You shouldn't do uh, drugs and all this. You shouldn't do things that can get you arrested. And You shouldn't do these things, right? Because you are responsible now for a, a family. Let's see here. Uh, a lot of research that shows if you are suicidally depressed, if you've never tried marijuana, it will help you break through it. Same with shrooms and LSD for alcoholics. Compared to what? Compared to philosophy? Compared to self-knowledge? Compared to, say, talk therapy? So, I don't know. All right. Someone says, uh, John Bob says, Steph, I just donated $20 in the hopes that you'll address this question. I'm not ready yet to talk to you one-on-one, -on -one, but I must ask, what must I do when I'm too broken to have a family? Hmm. When you're too broken to have a family. 
Well, you don't let the breakers fucking win, right? You don't let the smashers of human souls win. See, abusive parents, they can take your childhood. And you don't have much of a choice in that. You don't. You don't have much of a choice in that. What are you going to do? Like run out in the middle of the night? Well, I tried when I was four and I almost died as a result. Better the devil you know, right? So you, you know your parents, if they're abusive, if they're violent. Um, sexual predation is another matter. Let's just talk about violence and verbal abuse right now. So you can navigate that. You kind of know what it is. It's not a wild unknown. And so better the devil you know, rather than say, oh, I'm going to go put myself in child custody and go get adopted and, and have foster parents. And who knows what could happen there, right? They could be worse, right? So better the devil you know. So as a kid... You most times you kind of have to stick around. And I know, you know, some people do leave and end up on the street and God help them. I mean, I, I can't imagine what it must be like for that. I myself, well, managed to get my mom dislodged from the family nest when I was 15. Took in roommates and, and managed to make a go of it that way. But I've been working since I was 10. So. so they can take your childhood, man. There's not much you can do about that. They can take, take your childhood. But you see, when you, when you get out, when you get out of the prison, the ABC, as a friend of mine used to call it, the accidental biological cage, when you get out of the prison, don't take anything with you. Like once you're out, you're out. So if you have been harmed by abusive parents, for which you have my undying sympathy. If you have been harmed by abusive parents, hand over your history. They own that. They are responsible for that. There's really nothing you could do. So give them your history. Give them your history. But why, why, why would you want to give them your future, your possibility, your fertility, your capacity to create life and love it. Your past is a hostage. Why would you want to incarcerate your future in the prison you don't need to live in anymore? Why? They've had their life. They've made their choices. Why would you want to give them your children when they already took your childhood? Don't do it. Don't let the inevitable thieves rob you of one more penny than you have to give them. Don't let them steal one more thing than you have to provide. Every day, every minute, every hour of your childhood, they ruled supreme, like Julius Caesar, like Satan, striding across the world like a colossus. They ruled. But hey-ho, ding-dong, 18 years old, the king and the queen are dead. In terms of their power over you, why give them one more shred of resources where you have to pay, pay, where you don't have to pay, don't, and you don't have to give up your future family and you don't have to give up being a father or a mother. Let them have what they broke in the past. You know, you break it, you bought it. Who owns my childhood? My mother owns my childhood. I don't own my childhood. 
I was just trying to survive. Who owns my childhood? My mother owns my childhood. I give her all of that. 15 years, she owns it. But not one second more. Not one second more do I give her. Pay what you have to pay. And not one penny more. They owned your past. Own your fucking future. Please. If you're sensitive enough to understand how you were broken, you're powerful enough to heal the next generation. Damn, I'm good. All right. Let me see here. What's your view on dual citizenship by heritage? My mom's family is Italian and I'm eligible to get mine. Sure, go for it. <sighs> Hi, Stefan. What are you reading right now and why? Thank you. Let's see now. Um, I'm just, I've just finished up Crime and Punishment, which I read just because it was being talked about in some podcast, and I love it. Uh, and, and I've been retelling the, the story to my daughter, obviously, somewhat sanitized. I'm reading a book on global warming uh, as well. And for audiobook, I'm reading or oh, listening to uh, something that's not particularly challenging. It's a, a John Grisham novel about, I can't remember what it's called, uh, about a guy who kills a priest. Uh, and it's interesting. It's interesting. Uh, so, okay. Let's see here. Uh, how to recover? Okay. Um, uh, Robert says, how to recover from global neglect coupled with an older sibling trying to kill you? Global neglect coupled with an older sibling trying to kill you. And I assume what you mean by that is not just like, I'm going to kill you, but that that really, really wanted to kill you. There's a lot of death impulses in family. A lot of death impulses in family. And that is very, very, uh, very tough. Um, My experience has been, and you don't act on this, right? Don't act on, on murderous impulses. But my experience has been that if you've had a predation in your childhood, you have a lot of bottled up anger. And it's either going to, you're going to act it out outwardly or inwardly unless you express it. Find a way to express your anger. So the first novel, no, the first novel I wrote was called By the Light of an Alien Sun that I wrote when I was 12. I didn't finish it, but it uh, was a science fiction story uh and um but the first novel serious novel that i wrote was called revolutions and it was about a guy who was a murderer and his transition to a family man uh, to to a decent wife and husband and a lot of that had to do with grappling with past pain he thought that he wanted to change society it turned out that the world he needed to change was him his own it was called revolutions you have to, you know, everybody who's been aggressed against to that degree has a murder impulse within them, and you have to accept that you have that level of aggression. You don't act it out, right? You feel it. You can think about it and process it, but you have a lot of just rage within you. And if you process that, then it actually turns towards protecting the world and making the world a better place rather than constantly exhausting yourself, either repressing the feelings or uh, having them act out in your life, which causes huge problems, so... Uh, what's your view on blockchain? It's great. <laughs> Stefan, save the whales. You know, okay, I shouldn't. So today, 
I had to uh, hump around a bunch of 50-pound bags of sand. And my word, I got to tell you, you know, excess weight is tough. You know, because I was sitting there, you know, like how you carry it. You kind of hold it like a like a baby, like you've got this giant sand dune marsupial joey in your – and you kind of, you know, carry it like this. And I was thinking like for the people who have like 50 pounds on their belly, man, that's hard. That's hard. I just want to mention that. All right. Let's see here. Steph, do you ever feel like you would want to act anymore? Yes, but here's the problem. So I have too many of my own words to be really facile with other people's words. Uh, thoughts on Freud and Nietzsche? Yeah, so uh, Freud uh, was a complete scam artist, uh, a liar, uh, a, a drug addict, uh, a uh, an enabler of drug, drug addiction in others, a supplier, a drug dealer to others, uh, a liar, a falsifier of childhood experiences, a cover-up for uh, pedophiles and pedophilia in his own community, and was a complete and total scam who was incredibly destructive to the world as a whole. So, yes. Uh, Nietzsche? Now, Nietzsche's interesting because Nietzsche is thought-provoking, but he doesn't lead you very far. Uh, So, I remember reading The Antichrist when I was in my early 20s and being wowed by it. And then, I don't know, probably 12 years ago or 13 years ago, we did a book club, a fairly short-lived venture in in Free Domain Radio. We did a book club, and and I was rereading The Antichrist, and I'm like, eh, it's not that great. So, I don't know. Not so much. It's thought-provoking, but uh, it's kind of like a whole series of interesting fortune cookies. They don't actually lead up to much practical wisdom. All right, Stefan, that's assuming that the future is only up to the broken person. It is not. In fact, it depends on the broken person being able to convince someone else to create that future with them. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I agree. You are going to have to convince someone else to create that future with you. So I don't know what that means. Okay. Uh, Give us your reading list. Maybe one day. Starry Night says, cannabis is the tree of life. Do your research. It's been hidden from civilization. It provides medicine, clothes, and wakes your brain to a higher level. All right. Let's see here. Uh, Sorry, I just lost the uh, 50-pound bags of sand. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sorry, I just uh, went... uh, when does the – oh, sorry, Michelle. Uh, I was actually just thinking about that today, Long Day's Journey into Night. It will. I have it. It's just there was quite a bit of editing in this. It's going to take a little while to put together, but I will uh, do it um, uh, within the next couple of days. So, All right. Let's just see here. Let's go back up here. And by the way, is everything um, uh, coming uh, across okay? Just just let me know. I'm trying a new thing where I'm also live streaming to DLive. Dot TV. Do I ever pray at all or anything near or resembling prayer? Hmm. Interesting question. Uh, yes, I would say that um, something that Jack Posobiec was talking about with regards to stress, that he turns it over to God. And I talked about this a couple of chats ago, but... Um, I turn things over to philosophy. So, you know, people are always talking about, oh, Steph, you know, you take a lot of risks and, and you're going to vanish from the Internet. It's like, but I, I am, first of all, I love humanity. I love men and women. I, I love all of the different races and ethnicities. I work feverishly to improve relationships between men and women, right? So when I talk about 
There's no, there's no such thing as the wage gap. It's not because I hate women. It's because I love women. And I don't want women to be talked into this weird, crazy resentfulness of men. When I talk about differences in, in, in uh, IQ between ethnicities, it's not because I dislike these. It's because I love them and I want them to be happy and, and stop blaming. It's not my fault or their fault. It's just something we have to grapple with. So when I, I'm constantly pushing back against hatred and trying to build bridges and pathways for us to love each other more and, and be happy with each other more and, and stop hating each other for things that aren't our fault. You know, can you imagine, like, every time I saw some guy, uh, Dave Rubin, great head of hair on Dave Rubin, right? He's going to hang on to that like Harry Connick Jr. until probably 14 days after he's dead, right? So great head of hair on on uh, Dave Rubin, right? Okay, I'm, he didn't earn that. It wasn't like he, he was a good boy and God gave him hair and I was a bad boy and God gave me scalp. Uh, first of all, I'm, <laughs> I quite like having um, no hair because I don't have to, you know, hey, look. I'm messing up my hair, right? I don't have to worry about any of that stuff. So, uh, if I, but you know, so he he has uh, these. Some people have a nice head of hair. Some people go bald. Now I can sit there and say, and if I thought, well, he stole my hair. I'm just resentful and it wastes time with. I mean, it's, some people have hair and some men have hair and some men don't have hair. It's nobody's fault. It's it's just the way things. Ha it's just the way things are, right? It's just the way that the world evolved, and you know, kind of accepting that. You know, tall people didn't steal your height. Women with big boobs didn't steal your absent McChestiness, right? We can just learn to celebrate differences, celebrate diversity, right? So I, uh, because I'm motivated by a, a deep love of humanity, a deep love of truth, when you have enough love, you don't really need courage. Like if you're motivated by love, if you're motivated by really desperately, foundationally, fundamentally wanting the best for everyone that's possible to get the best for. If you're motivated by love, you don't need a lot of courage. You don't. And so I, I wrote this on Twitter and people say, oh, you know, you're in trouble. But, but I, I'm, I'm protected in a weird way by, by such an excess of love and what it is that I do that it's kind of hard for the hate to stick Right, like New York Times had a go at me, uh, Canadian media had a go at me, CNN keeps having goes at me, and it's like I have this shield of deep love, a joy, and a commitment to the truth. The truth does set us free. It sets us free of racism. It sets us free of sexism. It sets us free of sectarian violence. It sets us free as much as we can be free of these things. It is the truth and wisdom, facts and science, data. Now, don't get me wrong, sometimes it feels like the circle of truth is getting so small. These days it feels like the circle of truth is getting so tiny. It would feel like this Dostoevskian, would you rather live in a square space of an infinity forever or die tomorrow? feels like the circle of truth that you're, what you're able to say is getting so tiny and so boxed in. You just push back. I read a book many, many years ago, Lucifer's Hammer, about a comet that hits the Earth. And in it, towards the end, after the comet destroys civilization, they have a choice. Like, are they going to 
just hunker down and try and survive, or are they going to try and build and grow? And one of the great speech, one guy says at the end, we're not destined to live in caves. We used to control the lightning. And he had this full-throated, brave heart roar. I'm not going to do this because I don't know what's going to do to my microphone, but we used to control the lightning. What are we huddling in caves for? What are we looking to just survive another day for like mammals? We are gods of technology and wisdom and knowledge and perception and communication. We used to control the lightning. And I won't let the fears and the paranoias and the manipulations and the terrors and the hatreds of people shrink my language to nothing. Won't do it. I won't let tinnitus overwhelm the iambic of my utterances. So I don't pray to a god, but I meditate on love. I meditate on truth and on wisdom and on keeping a positive, smiling eye contact with the world. There are those who will hate love no matter what, and there are those who will recognize and love love no matter what, but all the people in the middle who are, you know, Spike Lee joint type, love and hate, love and hate, all of those people who are torn between love and hate will see, hopefully, the love in what I do, and will see the hatred in what others do, And they may end up choosing the hatred, but they can't claim to have not been given a choice. All right, what do I think of Bernie Sanders usurping economic freedom? All free stuff makes us more free. Uh, See, I mean, so, you know, Bernie Sanders, he is... um, He's selling victimhood. He's... um, you know, there are people, when you're, when you're hurt and you're wounded, there are people who come with a wheelchair and there are people who come with a cane, right? Now, people who come with a wheelchair, they want you to sit in that wheelchair and you're never going to stand, likely. The people who come with a cane, they say, get up and start walking. It's going to hurt like hell, but you'll thank me later. So Bernie Sanders, for the people who are hurt and who are wounded and who are unsuccessful and, and who, you know, would be colloquially called losers and so on, although I have trouble with that phrase, obviously it's a little cold and cruel, but who's – what do people come? Do they come with a wheelchair or do they come with a cane? It's like, like this it's jaw-dropping opening to the movie The Godfather, Mario Puzo's novel, Ford Coppola made the movie. And the guy's crying, the singer based on Frank Sinatra, I think this is crying because he can't get a movie role and <laughs> – Marlon Brando's character, Don Corleone, just slaps him. Stop crying. It's shocking because, you know, I grew up with a mom and no dad. And so, you know, this testosterone-laced Italian super testicle movie, it's a little shocking for people, right? Do you snap out of it? That's what I say to people. Like the people who say to me, oh, that's cringy or I, I tremble for you. I, I'm shocked. I'm appalled. It's like I know this term snowflake gets a little bit overused, but I'm like, you know, you're very sensitive, like toughen up a little. It's a hard world out there and lots of truths that are difficult. So Bernie Sanders, is he coming with a cane? Is he coming with a rehabilitation routine or is he coming with uh, opiates and a wheelchair? I think we know that, right? All right. 
If it's a guarantee that harm will befall anyone who is born into this world and no one consents to being born, is having a baby a violation of the non-aggression principle? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> is having a baby a violation of the non-aggression principle? First of all, you do consent to being born as you get older because you can throw yourself off a cliff. Every day that you don't throw yourself off a cliff, you've committed to life. So um, this idea that having a baby is a violation of the non-aggression principle, you wouldn't even be here to make that case if your parents thought the same way. So I don't even know what to say about this. What are my thoughts about President Putin? Um, I like that he's coming up with his own form of alternative payment. Uh, so uh, I think he's I think he's interesting. You know, he's got a lot of charisma, even to the point where, if I remember rightly, he had a pigeon salute him as he walked along. And he's a very interesting guy. You know, it's it's important to read the critics of your country, the critics of your culture. You know, what China has to say about the United States, what uh, China has to say about Japan, what Japan has to say about Korea, what Russia has to say about America, what Iran has to say about America. You need to read the criticisms of your country to get a well-rounded perspective on things. Iran, the crazy theocratic dictatorship, but they have some complaints that are not entirely illegitimate about American imperialism. And if you look at Russia and the reliance on the hegemony of the U.S. petrodollar, they have some complaints in that America has basically weaponized the dollar, right? They used it to threat of sanctions on it against China to get China to agree to sanctions on North Korea. They've weaponized the dollar as part of their foreign policy. It's not an argument, right? So I think it's good to read Putin. It's good to watch interviews with him and so on, right? Uh, Nathan says, Good evening, Stefan. ANCAP parenting episode with Dave Smith. Hmm. Now, let's see here. I mean, I like Dave. It's nothing about Dave, right? But here's the thing, man. You know, views have been crushed on my channel. Views, like my views and, and YouTube, it's like, Godzilla meets Bambi. It's like this old cartoon. You can, I'm sure, watch it somewhere, probably on YouTube. But my views have just been crushed. I mean, I, I, I haven't seen views this low in, in like eight years. And, you know, so unfortunately, the parenting stuff, it just doesn't do very well. And I kind of need to focus on trying to get the views uh, at least not lower, right? So it's it's tough, right? So we'll see. All right. Uh, criticisms of Lauren Southern. Uh, she's off the map. So, you know, just, I don't know, these people who like uh, chase people around with gossip and stuff like that and just go build something of your own and stop focusing on what everyone else is doing. Uh, let's see here. Somebody says, Stefan, when you are diagnosed with ADD. Oh, I think he's okay. Because difficulties processing information quickly and poor working memory to manipulate info, do you think meds to increase dopamine levels is a good idea? I am not going to be drawn into giving medical advice, but you can look at um, my interviews on on this stuff. Uh, Mad in America, uh, the guy who wrote that, he's was on my show twice. So, yeah, follow on DLive too, DLive.tv forward slash free domain. That's really really good. All right. Now, Puerto Rico college Republicans are trying to have a statue of Trump put on the walk of Protestants in San Juan. Support them on GoFundMe. Build 45. That's pretty funny. Uh, Weekly Narrative says, Stefan doesn't have valuable opinion on drugs over someone who has experimented with them. That's his logic anyway. See his comments on Twitter about rejecting advice from people with less followers. Oh, my. 
Oh, there's your GIF. Oh, my God. This follower thing. Oh, man. Oh, you millennials, you know likey when you ask when people ask for proof. Okay, so let me just sort of help people understand this. Um, this has been a minor bugaboo of mine for a little while, so forgive me if I uh, get a smidge passionate. But um, so when someone on Twitter tells me how I can have more influence, I'm going to click out and, hey, maybe they're right. Maybe they've got 5 million followers and, and they achieved it in a very short amount of time while talking about really controversial issues and being randomly suppressed and, like, maybe they're gods of influence and they can tell me exactly how to do it, in which case, fantastic, you know? I mean, uh, that that's wonderful. I mean, I humbly submitted to the Liftwaffe uh, and, and I'm upping my, uh, I'm upping my uh, uh, weights um, because I've been coasting for a little while and, you know, I'm sort of like, I'm 52, I better lower my weights. Why? Why? Anyway, so I'm happy to take advice from people who know what they're talking about. I'm, I'm talking with a guy who's, who's good at exercise and good at nutrition and I'm going to, you know, work on some stuff because you know, I'm just kind of curious. It'd be, be fun to bulk up a bit more. Well, a bit. I mean, my muscles are kind of cute. But anyway, so when people tell me how to have influence, <laughs> then I'm going to click on their profile. And one guy, he'd been on Twitter for years and years and years, and he had 304 followers. He was lecturing me about how I should do things on Twitter to gain influence. <laughs> now, people think it's somehow petty, or I'm like, well, you're wrong because you have fewer followers. It's like, <laughs> come on, people. If you, th if you claim to be an expert on gaining influence on social media. You've been on social media for years and years and you have fewer than 1% of my followers? You're full of shit. Like, I'm sorry, if you're like, I know exactly how to quit smoking. Puff, 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 puff. You're quitting smoking is really essential for your health and I know how to, I mean, that's just a bad joke. Like, this is stupid comedy, right? Like the, the fat guy trying to sell a diet book. Maybe somebody does have fantastic advice about how to build influence on Twitter, but if they only have, if they have less than 1% of my followers, <laughs> well, wait, 400,000. Oh my gosh, I even got that math wrong. So I have over 400,000 followers, 4,000 followers, 40,000 would be 10%, 4,000 would be 1%. Oh my gosh, it's less than 0.1% of my followers. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. If if you want to lecture me on how to gain influence on Twitter and you have point oh point one percent of my followers, I'm just not gonna listen to you. Because here's the thing too. Like you could say you could say, Hey man, I know how you should I know exactly how you should increase your influence and reach on Twitter. Now I'm aware that I only have three hundred and four followers, so blah 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 blah. You can address that up front, but if you don't even address that up front, you're in, you're just you're like cuckoo. Like you're just I don't even know what to say. Like if you say, Well, I'm a I'm a fat guy trying to sell a diet book, I know that it's kinda of funny, I'm gonna address that kinda of up front. Like if I say I have a miracle hair growth formula and I've, you know, got this Q tip bowling ball thing going on, I'm gonna say, Look, I, you know, I want you to put me on the cover of the book about hair restoration and hair growth naturally. I, I'm bald. And I know that's going to be kind of odd, but here's what, whatever. I, you have to address that up front. But if you're lecturing me on how to increase my reach on social media and you have virtually no followers and you don't even address that up front, 
sorry, I mean, you're just, you're not in reality. And why on earth would I bother taking any advice from people not in reality? So this idea was like, oh, man, you're saying he doesn't have enough followers. That doesn't mean you're right. It's like, no, 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 come on. I have never once said to somebody, you're wrong because you have fewer followers. But if somebody tells me how to increase my reach and influence on Twitter and they have 0.1%, less than 0.1% of my followers, I'm just like, who cares, right? I mean, they're just, they're not in reality. Um, you don't have to have experimented with drugs to know that drugs mess with your sense of reality. Also, I've read a lot of books written by people who've taken a lot of drugs. You know, I, I've read a lot of Jack Kerouac uh, on the road and, and other books, uh, The Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test. I've read Hunter S. Thompson, who had a legendary, truly epic could kill the brontosaurus habits of drug use and so on. This is not wildly unknown or unusual. I mean, I've listened to a lot of musicians who gained inspiration from drugs, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, The Doors, Janis Joplin, uh, um, you name it, right? So, come on. I mean, you know, I, you can have opinions of this. It's not an argument to say, well, you've never taken drugs, right? All right, so let's see here. How can I be more like you? Asks David. What's your daily routine? Hours of books, notes, Google Docs, spreadsheets. I want to be a master of intelligence and wisdom. Well, it it changes. It changes quite a bit. Um, so I, I got to tell you, you know, I mean, maybe you guys have had this too. I was just thinking about this the other day. Because I spend a lot of time on Twitter, at least an hour a day probably, uh, and some of that's for the show, like reading news and stuff I may do a show on and so on. But um, Twitter has kind of fragmented my capacity for longer text down to a shorter attention span. So when I read a book now, I really have to concentrate um, in a way that I didn't used to have to. So, you know, when you do these blurred ninja moves, some of the slower Tai Chi can, can get a bit uh, tricky. So, um, yeah, I read a lot of books. Uh, try and have a place where you can keep your notes stored centrally so that you can keep your thoughts straight. And, yeah, daily routine? Oh, I get up, uh, I, I check social media. Fingers crossed, right? Check social media. Uh, see if there's anything really pressing that I'd want to do a uh, story on. And, uh, you know, have have breakfast, play with my daughter, uh, plan my day. And uh, um, then... You know, there's usually a book to read. There's usually an interview to prepare for or a solo show to do and all that kind of stuff. So it's really not too uh, too surprising, I think. Somebody says, I'm reading The Art of the Argument. Ooh, yes. Great book. Artoftheargument.com. All right. So let's see here. By the Light of an Alien Sun. That does sound Bradburian. I wonder if I have... I wonder if I have that anywhere. Could be at my mom's place. Oh, well, maybe after she's dead. Uh, let's see here. Tom says, just donated $10 to Free Domain Radio. Yay. Thanks. I appreciate that. Because, um, like, you you understand, um, uh, you understand uh, the, the goal of suppression uh, of, of what I do, right? So the goal is, is uh, obviously the goal is, right, so people cycle into the show, right? And then they will cycle out from time to time, right? I mean, they, they get distracted, they lose interest, I say something that bothers them, um, some big life event happens, you know, they don't have as much time, they don't commute, any number of reasons, right? 
So people will cycle out of the show and you need new people cycling into the show because old people, some, some people are going to cycle out of the show. So, of course, the purpose of not making my shows available to new people is to prevent or to vastly reduce the flow of new people coming into the show. So as people leave the show, it begins to decline. Now, that's happening. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm doing my best. I'm, I'm sending out emails. I've got, I've got a newsletter you can sign up to. But it's just a slow bleed, right? The people are going to leave the show. They're going to cancel their subscriptions. People lose their jobs. They, they move. They, they have a new baby. Whatever it is, right? So people cycle out of the show. And so the point of, of keeping me from recommended, the point is to um, just have a slow, like not a punch, but a, a slow drip, uh, a slow decline. Now, what that's supposed to do, of course, is not only harm income, which it's going to do, and, and, and income is down for sure, right? That's why I say freedomainradio.com slash donate, which is hugely helpful. But what it's supposed to do, of course, is it's supposed to make you kind of panic, right? It's supposed to make you say, oh, my gosh, you know, maybe my shows aren't that popular. Maybe maybe I've, I've got to change up my format. Maybe I've got to do something different. Maybe that, right? And then by getting you to change your course because views are down and donations are down. So by getting you to change your course, you then alienate the people who are already with you, which causes more of a bleed of, of supporters, right, of, of people who watch the show, of people who donate and, and so on, right? And so that's sort of the, the purpose and, and the point of it. And uh, um, so, and, and don't get me wrong, <laughs> funnily enough, I still kind of like YouTube. I still kind of like uh, YouTube. Uh, they have a tough job. They, they have a tough job, these, these companies. They're under huge amounts of pressure from the left to, um, uh, to, to silence people, right, that the left don't like. And, and the right doesn't put the same kind of pressure on, which, you know, whether you like it or not, you could follow Mike Cernovich, always got good stuff to say about this. That's topic for another time. But they have a, t- they have a tough road to hoe. They really do. I have some sympathy. I mean, I, I wish social media companies as a whole would just not have gone down this route at all and said, listen, we're not, we're not going to start to do this. We have terms of service. People are in or they're out. But we're not going to have any sort of Plan C or anything like that. So, all right. Yes, Michelle, long day's journey tonight. It's coming up. Hi, Stefan. Would you ever consider writing a novel about the Star Wars character Dooku and his philosophies throughout life? I will have to say that's a no. Let's see here. Hard to read the Russians. I have a hard time getting the characters into my head because I don't know how to pronounce the names. I know what you mean. Just, you know, a couple of times in the beginning, right? Listen to it, right? You can. All right. How do you draw self-motivation and guidance when you are indecisive and unsure of your future? Ah. (laughs) That, my friend, has an answer that is both simple and terrifying. How do you draw self-motivation and guidance? If you think that your life is just for you and just your own, you are eating your own seed crop of future motivation. You will enjoy your life more in the short run and then you will find yourself overcome with lethargy and lassitude and enervation and you'll just find your motivation running out. We are not merely self-propelled vehicles in life. We need a larger purpose. We need our life to belong to something and someone other than merely ourselves. Because the only reason we have ourselves 
is because people had a larger purpose in the past. The only reason we have culture and, and freedom is because people bled and fought and argued and screamed and yelled and whispered and died for what we've got. So people lived a life larger than themselves in order to give us what we have and our opportunities now. And so if you take the life lived for a larger purpose and you collapse it down into just what you feel like doing, you're just going to run out of juice, man. The fuel is the larger purpose. That is the fuel. My life, you understand, is not my life. It's not my life alone. It's not my life alone. And you can say, well, that's selfless. You know, that's, again, the virtue of selfishness, like Ayn Rand and so on. Well, Ayn Rand was depressed and on drugs for the last 40 years of her life. So not an argument, but it's a warning about that kind of thing. So my life is not fundamentally mine. With regards to my public life, I mean, the private life, well, you know, what is my day? My day is, is you know, chatting with my wife and, and parenting and, and doing this show. I mean, I enjoy chatting with my wife. I like being a parent, but it's a lot of stuff that I do because I'm a parent. I mean, it's not like I'd be playing Monopoly otherwise, right? So you have to have something in your life that's bigger than you, that's deeper than you, that gives you a reason to be pointed in one direction rather than some other direction. To give you a way to organize your day, you've got to have something bigger than yourself. Now that you end up chasing your own tail and become exhausted. And I think that dysthymia, depression begins to set in because simply pursuing your own pleasures, your own individual purpose, your own hedonistic purpose. And by hedonistic, I don't mean that you're, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll or overeating. I just mean... What do I feel like doing today? Screw that. What do I feel like doing today? Well, I, I feel like doing today is watching Spanish operas and eating bonbons while scratching Cheetos out of my belly button. Sometimes that's the, the way I love to spend the day. But the question is not, what do you want to do today? The question is, what does the world need you to do today? Say, oh, well, that makes me a slave to the world. And, well, well, guess what, Buttercup? You only have freedom because other people were a slave to something more than their own preferences. In fact, you only have life because someone, i.e. your ancestors, back four billion years to the first single-celled organism that decided to shuck off the sea and crawl on the land. Okay, I know it's not single-celled. I know it wasn't four billion years ago. Sometimes the metaphors get a little, a little away, but... You only have life because people had a larger vision than their own immediate pleasure, their own immediate preferences. So if you're excited because the new doom is coming out, but you're not saddling up and saddling up and sorting up metaphorically to go forth into the battle of good versus evil, well, it's not going to give you purpose any more than fapping is going to give you offspring. You've got to have something bigger than yourself. My life does not belong to me. My life belongs to the world, to truth, to philosophy, to virtue, and to the necessity of ethics, to the necessity of courage. Yeah, it's a little annoying from, <laughs> from time to time. But if you're listening to this show... I don't just mean this show tonight, but if you're listening to this show as a whole, you have 
power. You have ability. You have strength. You have curiosity of wisdom, which the world desperately needs and without which the world will fall and fail to a struggle and demise that has never before been seen in human history. We are rolling towards a Grand Canyon of bodies. If you have the power to heal at a touch, you don't have to spend your entire day healing people. But if you have that incredible power, you don't wake up and say, well, what do I feel like doing today? Okay. But you have this power. And with great power comes great responsibility. If you have the ability to process philosophy and talk to people, you kind of have an obligation. And you can say, well, but that doesn't serve my immediate... You know, you have the power to heal with a touch. I get it. you got to have some sleep. you got to scratch your ass from time to time, and you, you might want to boil some pasta and eat. I get all of that and do that for sure. You don't be a slave to it. But there's a larger happiness than the moment that you need to hook into to maintain the arc of happiness in your life. And, of course, people used to have it in the grand story of Christianity, right? But Christianity didn't have the science of brain and IQ differences, so Christianity rolled around the world imagining that giving people the Bible would make them Europeans. Didn't work. Didn't work. Unfortunately, did the opposite of working. So, yeah, sorry, you've got to find something bigger than yourself. You can say, well, that's slavery, but it releases you. All right. Bags of sand. <laughs> McAllen emails. Ah, let's see here. Reality, the logic about drugs makes no sense if, if it's a natural substance and it's on the planet, there is a use for it. What do you mean? The neurotoxin that's stored in the venom sacs of Snakes is a natural substance that's on the planet. Well, I guess you could say that there's use for antivenom and all of that. So, all right. Uh, Stefan, have you ever listened to Shinedown's latest album, Attention, Attention? If not, could you do your review of the album? I, you know, I wish I had a chance to get into music. I used to be such a music lover. Oh, I could do shows on music for months. That's uh, so I don't really have time to listen to music. Should someone vote for his favorite party or the party with reasonable chances to win? Uh, Maxime Bernier versus the Conservative Party. Does it make a difference anyway? So Maxime Bernier and the People's Party of Canada, I'm not an expert on the guy, but from what I've seen on Twitter, he has some really sensible things to do. If you vote Conservative, I mean, look, it's going to be better than the Liberals. The Conservatives are better than the Liberals. Like the Liberals are looking to bring back this censorship provision that was used to chase after Mark Stein and Ezra Levant and, and other good souls. So the uh, liberals, are, are they're terrible. I mean, they're, they're bribing their way. I mean, they've got $600 million floating around to, to, to control the media. They're just terrible. And they want to bring all of this censorship stuff back. It seems unlikely that the conservatives would do that, but the conservatives are pretty terrible in immigration. Canada's taking the most per capita migrants, uh, and it's not, it's not good. Will I ever have Peter Schiff on the show again? Yes. Uh, anyone can read Mein Kampf. Doesn't make you a bad person. Makes you well-read. That is true. Let's see here. Heard seals can sing better than Madonna. <laughs> well, seal, the singer, can. 
All right. Uh, hi, Steph. How do I tell my parents that I really don't like studying, mostly because student life is BS? I don't know. Are you high school or, or university or whatever, right? So, All right. Um, but just be honest. Be honest, right? Wow, I've never heard someone rip on Freud so much. Yeah, I got a presentation halfway completed with Freud, which I'll get to that. Thoughts or opinions on the Landmark Forum? Um, so, yeah, many years ago, based upon the suggestion of someone, I did a Landmark Weekend. It was based on Est, Werner Erhardt stuff, and um, I thought it was interesting. You know, it, it really instructed me on how interested people are in ideas. And there were some good emotional exercises in it. And I remember talking to a guy who was very wealthy because we did these sort of one-on-one -on -one exercises. And I remember talking to a guy who was very wealthy and was broke all the time because he had an exotic car hobby and he gave too much money to his kids and he was just broke all the time and he had to work all the time because he was broke all the time. And I remember being really struck by, really struck by, that more money is not the solution to money problems, right? This guy made a lot of money, but he was still broke. There was that. I also remember there was an exercise where you repeated, uh, you know what, I won't get into their details about all of that. But yeah, I, I felt there was some good, interesting stuff into it. Although I did have some pretty, uh, pretty strong arguments about epistemology with the leader and got shut down, I thought, in a way that was not particularly positive. So... Um, I think it's interesting. I think, uh, it, it, you know, I'm not going to recommend it or not recommend it. I just, I thought it was interesting, but it didn't hold my attention for too, too long. All right. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Hey, Steph, I sent you an email a month ago about a call in chat. You asked my availability. I'm always available. By the way, I ought to have a talk with Dr. Edward Dutton about anthropology. Just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's It, it would be better. Uh, I'm working without a... Um, producer, right? Um, Mike is, is not with the show uh, anymore. So uh, I am working without a producer, which means it's a little tougher to organize things. So please uh, just feel free to pester me. I will not be bothered if you if you pester me, I promise you. And uh, it is a good, uh, good thing to do. So let me just see here. Estefan is a gateway drug to Jesus. <laughs> That's pretty, pretty nice. Uh, one of the best shows on the tube. <laughs> Come on, it's the best show. It's the best show on the tube. All right. Uh, sorry, I'm just uh, going back happy. Having children is beautiful. It certainly is. It certainly is. Um, having children is everything. I've already pre-ordered Doom Eternal. I'm tempted. <laughs> I'm tempted. I'm tempted. Uh, is your daughter homeschooled? Yes. Um, I literally dropped out of an IT scholarship. Yeah. We're a sick culture of victimhood. What say you on that? We need more heroes. It's not a culture of victimhood. It's just that victimhood is extraordinarily profitable, right? See, victimhood allows you to, where's the money? The money is with the white Christian males, which is why white Christian males are continually attacked and not allowed to organize. And anytime white Christian males try to organize and get together for their own interests, they're Nazis and white supremacists and blah, 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 right? So that's just where the money is, right? Why do you rob the bank? Well, it's where the money is, right? And, and so if you can pretend that you've been wronged by white Christian males, then the government will go and take money from them and give to you and blah, 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 right? So unfortunately, that's just the way. It's not, it's not a culture. It's just it's paid, right? You just get paid for it, right? Because of the government, right? 
All right. You're not saying anything new. Bye-bye. I got to tell you, the reason I keep doing this show is I do say things that are new. Your knuckles look like you've worked out on the heavy bag. Are you striking out now in the gym? It's a good workout. Um, no, I, uh, I'm not striking out at the gym, but I'm certainly working out harder than, than normal. How do you comment on Brexit? Yeah, yeah, Brexit is, is tough. Um, Brexit is, is tough. Um, if, if England can't close its borders, it's toast. I mean, it's toast. And I, you know, Brexit was really the last chance prior to, unfortunately, the violence which may come, which I've been working to try and prevent for many, many years, but it's not up to me, right? And you, you can't care more about people than they care about themselves. You can try and arouse them to care about themselves, but you can't care about people more than they care about themselves. You'll just end up being controlled. Uh, so somebody says, what do you think about male friendships nowadays? It seems to me that men often can't open up and talk about serious topics or issues without being regarded as weird for trying to talk. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's funny because you 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 have the greater capacity to meet people now because of the internet, because of cell phone and recording and uploading and, and outing people. You know, there's a lot of paranoia out there in the social world, right? Like, uh, okay, I'll tell you my opinions, but I'm going to need to see your phone battery first, right? Because you never know. Somebody could be recording. Uh, somebody could upload it. Uh, and, you know, maybe it was not legal, but good luck, right? So you have a great capacity to meet people, but you really better trust them before you well, let's just say before you before you talk about things that could be misinterpreted. So um, I think it's really important to have, have good friends, right? What kind of art do you enjoy? Well, I'm kind of into naturalistic painting. Uh, I really do respect like people like Henri and so on who studied and opened up bodies to figure out how the muscles worked and so on. So uh, to me, painting is like photography on steroids. And the, all the stuff that came post-19th century, particularly Dadaism onwards, is just garbage designed to destroy the human brain. Like I've been reading Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man by James Joyce with my daughter, and it's it's literally word salad garbage. Like if I didn't know that this was the third most famous and best novel of the 20th century, blah, 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 I just assume it was like something that a crazy person had smeared and shit on the walls of his asylum. I mean, it literally is insane. It's really, really deranged and terrible and boring. But it's anti-Christian, right? So the the, the leftists are going to uh, promote it. So, yeah, it's uh, um, this 20th century. Modern novels are, are just absolutely terrible. Again, airport novels, as they call they're better. But the sort of uh, literary novels are just a complete horror show. Like the goldfinch, or fall on your knees, or like other things. It's so much trauma, so much dysfunction, so much destruction. It is like pressing your face up against a demon's ass for for a reading period. So, ah, right. And what do I think is the future for of alternative for Germany? Well, they're the only chance Germany has for a future. So, whatever you can do to support them, I think is a pretty good thing to do. Um. The chance for a peace resolution in, in in Europe is is very low. It's very low. But uh, the only thing that's worse than than fighting is surrendering. All right. Billy Corgan from Smashing Pumpkins is a Trump supporter. Good to know. Love you, Stefan. Seriously, thank you very much. It's very very kind. I really like listening to your shows. You're very well organized and informed. Thank you very much. 
What is the greatest novel in the history of world literature? Um, well, Atlas Shrugged. Mm. The Fountainhead for first round, but Atlas Shrugged for ideas. Liberals are sociopathic. Mm. I think that that's uh, got some, some validity to it as well. All right. Goddamn, Stefan is goddamn good tonight. On fire, sir. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I miss you guys. I miss you guys. And uh, I'm very glad that uh, the guy from <laughs> from uh, DLive.TV was pestering me to do a live stream. Why don't people use audiobooks more so much information can be learned while on the way to work, etc.? What books do you recommend? What books do I recommend? Mine. Podcasts. I got some great books. Uh, you know, I really like people to check out Essential Philosophy more. Uh, I think that's a really, really good book. EssentialPhilosophy.com. All right. Uh, a lot of Freud's theories were BS, but a lot of what we take for granted in psychology is also Freud. The fact that he was a dick in life is kind of irrelevant. Yeah, well, that's that's just a statement. And so here's the thing. Like, if you if you just make a statement like that, you're not going to convince anyone who disagrees with you. You're just not going to convince anyone who doesn't already agree with you. And if, if like, care, care about your ideas, you know, care, like, if you're going to go on a date with someone, you really, really care about this woman, you know, you're going to clean up a little, right? You're going to shave nicely. You're going to put something nice in your hair. You're going to maybe wear a little bit of cologne. You're going to put on some nice clothes and, and make sure that you don't have half an asparagus garden sticking out from between your molars like you're gonna dress yourself up and, and and put your best foot forward so if you believe that there's something of value to freud then don't just say stuff like well blah, 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 blah. put 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 an argument forward that's it doesn't have to be pages but give some respect to your ideas like if 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 i was on a date i would go out on a date if the woman showed up looking bad I, I, I can't judge her. I can only judge how she's judging herself, right? So if she doesn't care enough to present herself in a positive manner, then I'm not going to end I'm probably not going to care about her very much. I can't care about people more than they care about themselves. So if, if you don't care about your argument enough to make it well, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to pay much attention to it, right? Like put your arguments in a tux for heaven's sakes, right? Freud can't be completely discounted either. Yeah, and again, I don't know what the hell that means, right? I don't know what that means. Have I ever read Nabokov and relate to his anti-Freud sentiments? I have read Nabokov, and Nabokov is vile beyond words. Vile beyond words. Um, of course, Lolita, right? What was my favorite job as a kid? I like waitering. I did actually like like waitering. Um, it's good to chat with people and big circle in life right hey remember when i used to work on tips freedomainradio.com forward slash donate uh let's see here what do i like to do when i can sneak aside some time uh play a couple of tablet games uh, here and there it's a good way to just sort of uh, unwind and and relax and um tennis i like tennis All right. Welfare must end. Well, yeah, it is uh, It is going to end no matter what. All right, so a couple more. A couple more. I've got actually, believe it or not, another listener call going on that's going to blow everyone's mind when it comes out. Is there any chance you'll update us on several callers you've had and if their lives have gotten better? 
Yes, uh, I actually just had a repeat call with someone. Uh, if you remember the guy who'd spent over $100,000 on prostitutes, and um, I had an update call with him. So, uh, yes, uh, for sure. Steph is hilarious. Yeah, my sense of humor can sometimes be a little uh, under uh, underappreciated. Serious question. In business, prospects refuse to believe I'm honest, attempting to bring real value and save the money. How to deal with those objections? Well, if someone's suspicious of you, be honest, right? Be honest about those suspicions, right? So uh, here's, here's an example, right? I was talking earlier about like if somebody with 0.1% of my followers tells me how to be influential on Twitter, they need to address that first. So if you look at the first couple of pages of my book on ethics, Universally Preferable Behavior, A Rational Proof of Secular Ethics, if you look at the first couple of pages, I directly say this is the greatest prize in philosophy. The odds that someone out here on the internet has solved the biggest problem that philosophy has ever faced, I get that the odds are very low. So, you know, it, it's, it, you're perfectly reasonable to be skeptical that I've solved this problem, right? So you've got to address these concerns right up front. Uh, I'm curious if you, can you imitate voice from VHS movie commercial? If you remember how it even sounds? Do you mean uh, in a town where? <laughs> <laughs> Essential Philosophy is great, also available as free audiobook. Thank you. Thank you, freedomainradio.com forward slash donate, because uh, that's, that's what pays for them all. So thank you very much. Stefan, do you think you can ever forgive your mom? I would say that forgiveness is not something that I can will any more than I can will love or any more than I can will physical attraction and so on. Um, my mother will never attempt to earn my forgiveness. And so I will never forgive her because she won't have earned it. But I have closure with my mom. Like, I hope you guys know that, you know, when I talk about my mom, I'm not like on the verge of tears. I'm not like it doesn't give me bad dreams. I'm not traumatized uh, by it. I'm speaking frankly about things that happened by now a long time ago. Like my mom last beat me up 40 years ago. So, you know, it's a little bit in the rear view by now. So, no, it's not a matter of forgiveness. It's just a matter of closure. I have closure. I have uh, certainty. I have no doubt about my choices regarding my mother, and I have peace with what I've done, and I have a great pride. You know, I mean, this is going to sound self-aggrandizing. Maybe it is, but uh, I believe this. I believe that no one, not even the rain, has such small hands. No, I believe that. I don't believe there's been a bigger pendulum swing from bad childhood to good parenting than I have manifested in this lifetime. You know, go listen to my show that I put out, How Not to Analyze Billie Eilish Lyrics that I did with my daughter. That's our day, man. We're just having a blast together, throwing a little bit of education in and sometimes more formal stuff for education and all that. But it's just a blast. And my mom was a terrible, inattentive, violent, abusive, creepy the sex stuff is like I don't even want to talk about. It's just tough for you guys, though I understand it. But um, no, it's it's like I don't think there's been a bigger pendulum, and it's kind of hard to just not be proud and happy with yourself regarding that. So I, I have honored my mother's brutality by allowing it to push me in the complete opposite direction, and that's the greatest honor I can give to her. I am looking forward to the new Doom. Um, it is, uh, it's a fun game. You know, I don't, I don't have time to get into complicated games, you know, where there's lots of options and cards and upgrade paths and so on. So, all right. I think we should probably, yeah, uh, I got to get ready for the next call, believe it or not. 
Uh, so somebody says, Stefan, I'm in the middle of reading your book, Practical Anarchy. Which one of your books would you recommend next? Well, if you like philosophy, essential philosophy is the one to go with. If you're involved in a lot of debates, go with um, The Art of the Argument. If you've got questions about religiosity, then Against the Gods is really good. Uh, around ethics, I'm still very happy with UPB, Universally Preferable Behavior, although there's a, a short synopsis of the whole argument at the end of essential philosophy, so that could be great too. So, What NES games do you like? I've never played an NES game that I think. Izzy is the luckiest child in the world. Um, you, you may be right about that. You may be right about that. What do you miss the most about living in the UK? Ah, there's no... You can't go home again, right? There is... I miss the past. I miss the past. You know, like, I tell you this, man. I mean, this is something that the younger generation just doesn't know. Like, I grew up, there was no such thing as racism. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't a topic, really. It just never was something you had to... And, of course, I grew up with gender-segregated school. When I was in boarding school, it was boys on one side of this big giant fence and girls on the other, and we barely spent any time together. So I was in an all-male environment, which I really appreciated later, given how all-female environment it was at home and the neighborhood and in school. So I grew up not having to think about identity politics. It was not even an issue. It, it, it never came. I can't, I can't remember the first time I ever really thought of or heard about racism. It, it was probably in, in my uh, mid-teens in, in Canada. So my first 15 years, I didn't even really know the concept of racism or identity politics or white privilege or a manspreading or mansplaining or like all that. I mean, I grew up with the sort of men are pigs, chauvinist pigs, feminist garbage. But yeah, it's, and of course, for the younger generation, they, they've never known a life without constant racism boogeyman, right? Ah, what are my thoughts on monarchism? I'll do that another time. Hey, Steph, do you know whether or not Tommy Robinson is still alive? I pray and worry for him and his family every day. I've not heard anything, so I would assume so. Peter Joseph destroyed you, Stefan. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. I would say that um, people can uh, people can go and look at that debate. I did a debate many years ago now with, with Peter Joseph, and uh, it was um, it was fun. It was fun. It was fun. Uh, and that's that's all we've done, right? Yeah, you can down... Oh, um, yeah, dlive.tv, you, you can do that app, right? Bitcoin, 10,400. Yes, 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 yes. So if you're coming from a Jesse Peterson place, and this is the Reverend Jeff, Je, uh, Jesse Peterson, uh, you, you just watch this guy, he's fantastic. Stefan would uh, be said to have forgiven her. It's about having anger towards her. The anger is gone because it was listened to and processed. That is correct. And I've changed my life. I have a wonderful relationship with my wife and my daughter and all of that. So let's see here. Uh, laugh out loud. Racism against the Irish was rampant in the UK. Is that was not... It's not racism. <laughs> Everyone's white. All right. Um, thank you for answering my question. Keep kicking ass. Racism wasn't a thing back in the day. I'm 52 as well. I remember the same times as Stefan. And there's a thing too, like can you, um, I mean, can, can you imagine a, li a life where you, there was no such thing as racism? Do I, de do I identify as an Irishman? Uh, no. Who would win in a street fight, Jordan Peterson or Jesse 
Peterson, uh, I got to put my money on Jesse. I think he's a biter. <laughs> All right, let's see here. I think I should probably, yeah. Oh, you guys are too much fun, but I'm going to uh, cut it down. Um, wait, that sounds... <laughs> Can you believe the idiots that say racism is a social construct? Um, uh, racism is a competing theory for group differences, just as exploitation is a competing theory for group differences in the economy, right? In terms of the class system, there's like the rich exploit the poor. Uh, that's the explanation for differences. The other explanation regarding racism or exploitation is IQ. Uh, IQ differences. And listen, this doesn't mean that IQ makes you a better or worse person. It doesn't mean that anyone should be better or worse off with regards to the law. Everyone should be equal before the law and so on. But this is why the leftists get so mad about the IQ question because it is a competing theory that actually explains the world in a scientifically validated manner and gives us the power, the responsibility to make the world better uh, and, and so on, rather than this endless racism paranoia, which is going to end in, in god-awful things, right? So, you know, people don't like competing theories, right? I mean, the, the, the Catholic Church did not like putting the sun at the center of the solar system, and it did a lot to bring down the aristocracy, right? So to, to you have to go to where your enemy doesn't want you to go, right? It's not comfortable, but but it's fact. All right. I think that's it. Thank you, everyone, so much for your uh, attention and um, your, your kindness, your support, your generosity. You know, we're, we're going to get through this, and we're going to be better and stronger and um, uh, deeper and more powerful. Oh, somebody said, I just saw this flashing past, nice interview with Lynette Zhang, Z-A-N-G. Uh, I appreciate that. She was great fun to chat with. Until the backbone of the internet went down in Canada. Apparently somebody else logged on, uh, but uh, we recovered. So have yourselves a wonderful, wonderful evening. Uh, I love you guys so much. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you for the honor of this conversation. I hope that I do well by your trust and your support every day that you see me out in the world, right? Uh, less so in person because of the threats, but... Uh, on online, uh, on the live streams, I'd love to do, maybe we can start doing this every Friday night, hang out and, and chat about this kind of stuff. But um, uh, if there's anything I can do to honor your trust and your support in me better, please, please let me know. The The, um, uh, the email is on the uh, the website. You can check it out. Uh, we've got a new website coming out soon, which is going to be great. And I just thank you guys so much. I, I humbly accept your support, your kindness, your generosity, your sharing. You've got to share these videos, too, because, again, they're not showing up too much in people's searches. And um, if there's anything I can do to honor your support any better than I do, please, please let me know. I, I work for you. I work for the future. I work for truth. I work for philosophy. And I work pretty damn hard. So thanks, everyone, you so much. I love you guys. We'll talk to you soon.